This is Tom Kuzmanis, former Canadian men's national team player, nine-time Canadian champion, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcast. I'm your co-host, MWB. And I'm joined by Mr. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Very good. And we have one of the the young talents of the future for Canadian soccer or, or football, as I like to call it. She's currently playing in Europe, and she's had quite a story in terms of her journey getting to Europe. So we're going to get into that and more. But please make welcome Miss Maya Ladani. Maya, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure to have you on, and I know that we're, we're recording in 2022, but I know that 2021, even 2020, before that, there's a lot that's been happening. Take us through it. What, what's been going on in your, in your career to this point? No, you're correct. A lot has happened. A lot has changed. So in 2020, I graduated high school early online. I went to West Virginia University. Before going, I, I've always, I always had um, doubts on whether I wanted to do that or if I wanted to go directly professional, but COVID kind of halted that. So um, my decision was kind of made for me and I, I wanted to use it as an opportunity to, to attempt college soccer and see the experience and have no regrets and having tried it. So then I, I went there for one semester, COVID shut it down early. I didn't go back in the fall. I stayed home, I trained, I did some trials, had some interests abroad, but once again, COVID affected the visa situation and everything, so I decided to go back and try give a university soccer one more chance. So I went back 2021, January, and my first week back, I actually ended up in a car crash. So basically what happened was the driver of the car, the brakes didn't work, we slipped over the edge, we went over and fell down a one of the many hills in Morgantown, West Virginia. But I was lucky to have two trees stop the car and came out with minimal injuries. I was out with a concussion for about two months, which kind of sucked. You know, I, I didn't get to train with the team and solidify my spot in the starting lineup. So I was kind of behind in that sense, which kind of set me up for failure in the rest of the season. And then, you know, I was, I was still in doubts on whether I, I wanted to continue in college, but I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it and that I wanted to give myself a fair shot because I wanted to see what an actual season would be like and have no regrets if I left too early. So I stayed in the summer, did all the running, the preseason, all that. And then came the fall season. Like I, I played almost the full game for the two exhibitions before the season and then half the game for the first season opener. And then, and then my minutes just started to decrease until I stopped getting any. And there was just, you know, 
minimal communication between me and the coach. And I just felt like the best decision for me was to leave and embark on a new chapter. So I felt I'd given it my all and that it was no longer an environment that served me or was healthy for my mental or physical health. So I decided to leave and I came home in the winter break. Um, I was speaking with my parents, one of my good coaches and mentors. And, you know, we, we decided collectively, you know, I, I think it's time to give, um, Europe my all. So a couple, a few clubs reached out, but also with COVID, I, I felt it was best to put all my cards into a more, I wouldn't say guaranteed choice, but like a team that I knew I would play a big role in, which is the team here in Denmark, which is called Nesville uh, Hoagie HG. It's essentially a collaboration with basically the women's team just joined in under the men's club. They were their own club. And now this is, they're just starting to become professionalized. And I, I, I knew I would be playing a big role in the, the beginning of that being like one of their first international signings. And I think it was just, I just knew it was a great opportunity for me to get my confidence back and to solidify a, a platform in Europe. And I, I really like the girls, the team and, and the coach. I think that being under his, uh, under his reign will definitely help foster my abilities because he enjoys my style of play and is not looking to change it, rather develop it. So mm. I think that this is a great, great place for me to be. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, no. I it's it's awesome that first off that you you know you've come away from the crash unscathed and that you've been able to continue to pursue the passion and that also you've you've ended up at a place where you're happy and that you're yes. able to let the the skills talk because i yes. remember seeing you play those games at you know the canadian under 17 and under 15 level and i said yeah this is a talent this is a talented place it's good that <laughs> It's good that that town is shining, so we look forward to seeing that continue. Yeah, why the Mountaineers in the first place? Um, so basically, I went to an ID camp when I was in grade seven, just for the experience. I didn't expect anything out of it, and they were interested and they wanted to make an offer right away. So, being my naive thirteen-year-old self, I hopped right on and agreed. So okay. So yeah, it, it, at the time, it, it felt like the right thing to do. It felt like the right place to be. But now looking back on it, I, I think that I made a uh, premature decision. And, you know, but now I, I have advice for if somebody asks me, like, their opinion on getting recruited by colleges, I always tell them to make sure they, they choose the right school and to take their time and not rush it. So so I kind of, I got some learning out of it. Okay. And, I mean, women's soccer, the dominant place in the world is North America, right? In Canada and the U.S., dominate international soccer how have you seen the growth of women's soccer now that you're in europe um i would disagree i don't think that female soccer dominates in north america i think that on the international stage the americans have always had greater power and now and canada now recently winning the olympics which was fantastic to see you know that 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 are that we're definitely growing Mm -hmm. but i think now you know, other clubs, other teams, countries in Europe are catching up now because power and strength is not what wins you football matches. And now the skill is becoming more prominent in the game. And, and those teams are starting to shine, like the Spains of the world or the Italians even or other countries. So 
And I think that the professional level here is much greater and the clubs are, the clubs that are affiliated with the men's side are definitely have more advantage than in North America. I know they have the NWSL. Canada actually does not have any professional women's soccer league. So I think that Europe is actually the place to be um, in terms of football development. Are there any other Canadians on your club? Uh, no, there are not. However, um, there is an American. She is from, came from the University of Southern California. She is older than me, obviously. She graduated and then decided to come here. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you, you touched on the, the Canadian scene and 2021 was pretty big with the gold medal. What did that yeah, mean 100%. to you as someone who, had, who has met many of those players? Yeah. Um, well, I was actually coached under Bev Priestman with the U17s before she moved to England for a little bit. And I played with a lot of those players, uh, Julia Grosso, Jordan Heidema, Jade Riviere. And it was just amazing to watch and see how much like our country accomplished with that gold medal. And especially, I think it was a big redemption moment from the 2012 Olympics, you know, being with the Canadian national team, that's always the motivation, especially when playing against the United States. It's just, it's, it, the impression is that, you know, it, that, that year was robbed of us, of, mm. of then. And, you know, it's always been a goal to, to win it back. And, and they finally did. And I think that that's, that's going to go down in, in history a hundred percent, but it's just cool to see that, you know, other girls that I played with were able to to win an Olympic medal, which is definitely a dream of mine. There we go. And now before COVID and before, I guess, the car crash as well, you were playing with under-20s. Can you see yourself ideally playing in the red and white once again? That's 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 what I hope for. And, and um, I think that, you know, given all the various factors, they definitely played a part in my not being selected for the CONCACAF qualifying going on right now um mm -hmm. in fact i spoke i spoke with the assistant coach and, and he said you know you're not off the radar like we definitely still you know see potential with you and and we'll definitely continue watching you and and he agrees i spoke with him about my decision to forego um with my ncaa career and and he thinks that this is the best decision for me based on you know my ambitions and my playing style and and i completely agree and um so i'm just going to keep working hard and and solidifying myself in europe and hopefully it doesn't go unnoticed, and I, I can represent my country once again. There we go. You did mention the CONCACAF qualifying, so that is underway. I saw that they beat Cayman Islands 13-0. <laughs> yeah. So, so they are yeah. holding it down in your absence, but I'm sure you'll be yeah. back there soon. Yes. Now, for your club in Denmark, what formation do they play, and where do you play in the formation? Um. So <laughs> I'm very happy because... Essentially, the formation is surrounded by, based around, you know, the number 10 position, which is what I play. Yeah. So that's the role that I, you know, coaches have used me in, but in university, they did not. And sometimes with the national team, they do not. So it's good to finally be able to be in a position where I can thrive and have a coach who understands that and can use the players. And I can use the players around me to not only benefit the team, but also like, use my abilities properly so basically we play a 4-3-3 okay he's not really into a specific formation he tends to you know he's okay with switching it up based on the opposition or based on what what would better suit us so he he's not really stuck on oh we're playing a 4-3-3 only okay okay so but you're yeah. a true you're a true center midfielder then yeah 100 percent um so basically i guess you could say we play a 4-2-3-1 
and I'm with the three, the three up top. So I'm a little ahead of the two holding, um, but still behind the striker. Nice. And is there yeah. anyone that you'd like to kind of style your game after? <laughs> well, of course, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, is Lionel Messi. And I've always admired him and watched him. And I would not say that I am like him because I don't think anybody could be like him. But I, I do try to, you know, really embody that his playing style, especially for that number 10 position. Yeah, not a bad person to emulate. No, not at all. So what are some of the things that you you work on on, on the park, to, I guess, to refine and keep your, your skills at the level uh, that you want them to be and, and to improve them, I guess? On the which, sorry? The park? Yeah, when you're on the field. What, what are some of the things that you're training, I guess, to individually training to improve your skills as a number 10? Yeah, sorry. Um, so basically, you know, you can never, you can never overtrain the basics. You can never train too much on the, just the simple things like passing, touches, turning. Um, it's hard to train awareness and stuff alone. You can, you can recreate game-like situations with, you know, the use of lights or like agility, um, tools, but nothing, nothing is, nothing can recreate the feeling of actually being in a game and feeling the pressure. So, um, I tend to work on um, with my coach from home, just like lots of like technical work, dribbling, various passing exercises and turning. And I, I sometimes post clips on my Instagram and stuff, just, you know, some highlights from training that I think are cool. But um, yeah, so I, I mostly just try to uh, just uh, work on the basics and just um, keep my touches sharp. Cool. And what's your Instagram for our listeners? <laughs> It's um, Maya, M-A-Y-A dot, my last name, L-A-D-H-A-N-I. Awesome. And you're also on Twitter, is that right? Uh, yeah, but I don't really use it. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Now, now yeah. my you grew up in Kitchener, right? I uh, kind of. I was born in Breslau, which is in Kitchener, I think. <laughs> Um, and I stayed in my grandparents' basement with my parents and brother until we moved to Guelph. So technically, I grew up in Guelph, Ontario. Ah, okay. All yeah. Right. The city with the church on the hill, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So everything leads to the church, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. So how did you get involved in soccer in the first place in Guelph? Well, funny enough, so I've always been competitive. And my brother, who's a year older than me, uh, he started playing first. My parents signed him up and I wanted to follow him. I wanted to be better. I wanted to copy him. I wanted to <laughs> do what he was doing. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started when I was three years old, the uh, Guelph Timbits program. And as cliche as it sounds, I fell in love with it. And I just kept at it. And I, I stayed at the Guelph soccer, the club until I was 11 years old. And, and I, and then after that, I, it was a hard goodbye, but I knew. If I wanted to get uh, higher up, I would have to move to a different team. And then I, I moved to, to a team in Toronto and, and then uh, uh, everything started to pick up. Now, were your parents big fans of soccer to begin with or was it just a convenience thing that signed you up? Um, well, like my dad played casually in high school and my cousins who, who were older than me, they were, they were already playing um, at the club. And I don't know, it's just kind of been a, a part of our family and... I think um, they signed us up for multiple sports, but soccer is the one I stuck with, kind of. Okay. So I guess you could say it was a convenience thing, but also just something that our family did. 
Nice. Nice. Yeah. And how much time did you spend playing in Toronto? So after I moved from Guelph, I played at Bryce Academy. I spent a year there. And then they formed the OPDL, the Ontario Player Development League. And basically, they were saying, you know, if you want to get scouted by, if you want to play with Team Ontario and the national team, you have to join this league. So I had to leave Rice Academy and the closest team to my house was Hamilton. So I moved there. I played with the, the league a year above me. <laughs> And then I got, from there, I, I was with the provincial team and that's where I got selected or scouted for the U15 national team for the first time. And how difficult was it to bounce around the way you did being so young at that time? <laughs> it was, it was, um, it was hard kind of, you know, it's, it's just like starting new all the time, but that's, that can also be a good thing. And it's just like being able to play and form relationships with different players and and um, different coaches and different styles. And I think that moving around also helped me as a person and player because it gave me like different different experiences to grow based on the environment around me, if that makes sense. Total, total sense. Total sense. Yeah. So you're in Denmark now. Yeah. I would assume you went to see the mermaid. No, I don't know why everyone says that. <laughs> what? You but, haven't? No, so our, our, my coach, so I'm, I'm, uh, my roommate is actually the other American girl. Her name's Daria. And, uh, our coach took us one weekend to Copenhagen to show us around and stuff. And he was like, uh, well, there is like the mermaid, but like, it's not really, he's like, I don't know. Everybody always says like, uh, but he's like, we don't need to see it. Like, it's very small. So like, no, we did not, we did not go to see that. Have you fallen in love with the open face sandwiches? With the what sort? The open face sandwiches. I haven't had one. You haven't had any of their sandwiches that don't have a top on them? No. Really? Yeah. <laughs> They're so famous for that. I'm, I'm a junkie. I love them. I have no <laughs> idea. I have not had them. Well, you have to try it while you're there. Yeah, I do. Um, no, but the, yeah, yeah, the food here has been fantastic, especially in Copenhagen. For sure. So everything is kind of pricey, but <laughs> I'm surviving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you sure the open face sandwich is a Danish thing, Kobe? Yes. Are you sure? Because okay. I haven't, I haven't. I've, seen I've had it. I've had it in other in Germany. Oh, oh yeah? no! It, it, it's there. There's a few European countries that have it, but it's a huh. it's a big deal in in Dansk. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'll definitely ask my teammates about it. Are you into Lego now, Maya? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! This is like all the stereotypes. This be like. You might as well ask me as a Canadian if I like have an igloo or something. Uh, well, do you like poutine? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't. <laughs> no, I do not. Now, hold on. She dodged, she dodged the question there. Have you gone to Legoland? I haven't. I have not. Oh, my, you haven't done anything. I mean, I'm always, yeah, my, and then my five days off, or no, three days off, I didn't want to spend in Denmark. I wanted to explore another country. Okay. So oh, where, yeah. where have you gone? I went to Switzerland. Nice. And whereabouts, yeah, whereabouts there? Um, I flew into Zurich and I briefly spent the morning there and then I took a train to the Bernese area, went to the Bernese Alps, and then the next day I went to Lucerne, which was absolutely stunning. It was it was breathtaking. And then my for my final day, 
I went to, it's the mountain of Santis. Um, and it was beautiful. Like it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And that was my time in Switzerland. Oh yeah. And then I went to Appenzell, which is like a little village town. Do you ski at all? I, I actually don't. And partially because I, I don't want to get injured as, because, you know, it's something my dad's always in, ingrained in me is just, you know, live carefully. Cause I, you know, I don't want to, but I, I also want to enjoy life, but cautiously, you know. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that reminds me of my, my own parents. Your dad grew up in Uganda, right? I wouldn't say he grew up because they were forced out of the country when he was three, but uh, he was born there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. Idi Amin. Yeah. Ah, Idi Amin. Yep. Yes. That's a name that I recall. Yeah. Uh, do you have any ties to Uganda at all or not, not really? Um, well, basically, in the time where Idi Amin was the dictator, essentially he kicked out all Asians, all people who weren't strictly African. So I, um, all my relatives and everything had to leave and their citizenships were taken away. So oh. basically everybody, I have some in England and then scattered throughout Canada and I think the USA as well. Oh, okay. So, nice yeah. one. so when you're not on the field playing for NIF, which club do you like to watch as a fan? Um, well, now that Barcelona is under Xavi, they're starting to be better. So I'm enjoying watching them again. There we go. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, they may be able to get Messi back. There is that chance. So Oh, yeah? I can see it. If Maybe in a year or so, looking at the deal that he signed with PSG, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's almost like an out. So let's see what I'm hoping. There. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. I don't want to get my hopes up, though, because I don't want to believe everything I read until it happens. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So, Maya, you, when does the Danish season start and finish, typically? So, their season is a bit different. So, essentially, the spring season, which we're about to compete in, starts in um, April 2nd is the home op- uh, the season opener. So, we've just been playing a lot of exhibition games. And this this uh, spring season is to solidify a place in, like, a promotional tournament, which would happen in the fall. So basically, they, they call, not seasons, they call them tournaments. So this spring tournament is either, if, if you don't do well, um, you would be in a position for relegation to the lower division. Or if you do well, then in the fall tournament, you play for a promotion to the um, higher league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice one. There we go. And my just before we, before we let you go, is there anything that you wanted to share with our audience? I think the most important thing is that there's no... There's no one way to do things or achieve things. There's no one route or path. My life is definitely an example of that. Um, I didn't, you know, have the traditional go to college, play four years and then go pro. I decided to leave and, and start early and I, I'm completing my degree online. So there's, there's always a way to achieve what you want and, and you don't like never compare your journey to those around you. I like that. That's powerful. And. Yeah, you've obviously overcome adversity, so those are words that I, I think some of our listeners will definitely take to heart and can apply. Who's your pick for Qatar? Like to win? To win. Oh, well, I would want Argentina to win so Messi can finally win a World Cup and retire happy, but I don't know if that will happen. Uh, usually, you know, the stronger teams are 
I don't know. This is hard. I say if Spain can start scoring, they should have a chance at winning because I love the way they play football and I think they play properly. They just need to, you know, be able to finish. Okay. And last one. Do you think Team Canada will make it out of the group stage? I hope so. Um, they've been doing very well um, from what I've seen, the men. Yes. So I think that with their momentum, they, they can definitely I have uh, the, the opportunity to get there. And Actually, so yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you said who would win. Um, but I'll definitely be supporting them because, you know, it's, it's very historic and it's a very proud uh, moment for our country. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.